0: You are listening to the weekly sermon from the Canton United Methodist Church in Canton, South Dakota. We're a church that strives to make disciples of Jesus Christ who make a difference. To learn more, visit us at cantonsdumc.org. And now, here's Pastor Clay. Our scripture this morning comes to us from the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 16. I'll be reading verses 13 through 23, and and I read this morning from the New Revised Standard Version. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, He asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, but others Elijah, and still others Jeremiah, or another one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. "'For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. "'And I tell you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I build my church, "'and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. "'I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. "'Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. "'Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven.' "'Then he sternly ordered the disciples to not tell anyone that he was the Messiah.' From that time on, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and undergo great suffering at the hands of the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke Jesus, saying, God forbid it, Lord, this must never happen to you. But Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me, for you are setting your minds not on divine things, but on human things. Would you pray with me? Holy and gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be holy and acceptable to you. For you, O God, are our rock, and you are our redeemer. And we give you thanks for who you are as we say together, amen. Amen. So I had the joy of taking college algebra at Northern State University with a French-Canadian professor named Dr. Lucas Patry. And I just got to tell you that that class was a mess from start to finish and it wasn't just because of me. Now I've made no secret of the fact that I am not the world's best math student. The problem is is that Dr. Lucas Patry is not the world's most articulate lecturer. And so one particular day in class, he asked our entire class a question, and we were all lost. None of us had a clue of what we were supposed to do next. We were working on mathematical functions. And during the course, Dr. Patry wrote a problem on the board and did one step and then stopped and said, what do you do next? We all sat there in a very awkward silence until someone finally had the courage to say, Dr. Patry, we have no idea what to do next. So he looked at us with this look of absolute disbelief, So he did another step, asked the same question, and still we just sat there. This was not new to him, but it was new to us, and it was explained so weirdly that we did not know what to do. We did a next step. We did a next step, and I still, to this day, have no idea what Dr. Patrick expected of us that day. There were smart people in the class, and we just didn't get it. Jesus may not have been trying to teach his disciples mathematical functions, but the disciples may have felt in the same way that we did in that college algebra class so long ago. And it has nothing to do with Jesus explaining things poorly. No, in our scripture this morning from Matthew's gospel, Jesus is perfectly clear. But that doesn't change the fact that Simon Peter and the rest of the disciples had just been asked a question that was not easy to answer. Who do the crowd say that I am? Who do you say that I am? I imagine the disciples staring at the ground. I imagine them avoiding eye contact altogether. I imagine them nervously shifting their weight from one hip to the other, hoping that Jesus didn't call on them. And then then Peter blurts out, the answer you are the christ the son of the living god and i'm sure that at some point in this entire process jesus stood in disbelief as simon peter goes from bedrock to stumbling block faster than dr lucas patry had to move on from mathematical functions that we didn't understand As Jesus and his ministry begins to unfold, as the disciples' understanding of who Jesus is continues to mature as they come to realize that Jesus is the Messiah, Jesus and the twelve disciples go on to a field trip to Caesarea Philippi, 25 miles north of the Sea of Galilee, where we have been focused on for the past couple of weeks, and it was so central to Jesus' ministry. And perhaps it was because of the distance from distractions. Perhaps it because it's because Jesus knew that he needed this time in particular with his disciples. Or maybe it's because Caesarea Philippi is riddled with the remnants of religiosity. This is the backdrop. This is the stage for where this pivotal conversation with Jesus and the disciples happens, and this is where Simon Peter steps into center stage. Caesarea Philippi was a place riddled with the remnants of religiosity. There were pagan shrines to the god Baal and Pan, and a temple to Caesar Augustus right there in Caesarea Philippi. And so in this place that is prominent for paganism, in this place where the emperor is worshipped as a god, this is the place where Jesus asks the questions. Who do the crowds say that I am? The disciples fumble around and eventually answer John the Baptist or Elijah I don't know, some kind of prophet, some kind of holy person of some kind. But then comes the critical question, who do you say that I am? You who know me better than anybody else. You who have been with me as I've fed thousands and walked on water. You that have watched me heal the sick. You that have experienced me calming the storms. Who do you say that I am? Do you feel the weight of the question? Do you sense the seriousness sense that this is a fundamental moment in the relationship between Jesus and the disciples. And just imagine for just a second if the answer to this question didn't go well. What would happen if Jesus asked the question and the disciples stood there? Like they were just asked what the next step of a mathematical function was. What Jesus was wondering is that after all this time with these disciples, do they actually get it? Jesus knows that his time on earth is growing short, and if this answer doesn't go well, would the work that he is doing, would the work that he's going to literally give his life for, continue after the cross? Enter Simon Peter, the flawed and faithful disciple. Enter Simon Peter with this history of acting rashly, this history of getting it wrong, this history of jumping in before thinking. After an awkward silence following a question no one wanted to get wrong, it is Simon Peter that says, you, Jesus, are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And you just got to imagine this huge sigh of relief. Someone gets it. And Jesus affirms Simon with the enthusiasm of a teacher that just watched a breakthrough moment happen. As they are standing in the remnants of these mythical and superstitious figures etched in stone, Peter calls Jesus who he is. The son of the living God. The living God. And that's an important statement because Peter realizes that Jesus is different. Peter realizes that Jesus is set apart from all other gods that could be worshipped because Jesus is living and active. Jesus is involved in the affairs of the world and working in and through the lives of all his disciples. To bring about the healing and transformation of the world. To bring about the kingdom of God. Jesus is working through all of his disciples. That means all of his disciples to this very day. You and me. Jesus is the Messiah for us. The one for whom Israel is waiting Jesus is not the one who ushers in the last days. Jesus is the one who will stand on the last day. And Peter knows it. And the rest of the disciples know it. And now would that all the world come to know it. And Jesus says, Simon, you are the rock upon whom this church is built. which has to be just just a tremendous affirmation. Jesus affirms Simon Peter's faith, but even more than that, Jesus establishes his authority because Simon Peter is the rock upon whom the church is built. He's not the founder of the church, that's God, but Peter is the first person on earth to realize and to articulate who Jesus is. He is the first one to take that step of faith and realize that Jesus is the son of the living God. He's the first member of the church the whole church is built on him, and in the ages to come, everyone who would make this same discovery would become a part of a stack of rocks that was based on Simon Peter. The scary thing is, though, that it almost all completely falls apart by because of what happens next. Jesus sees the faith of his friends and decides to bring them in on what's going to happen and starts to tell them that the Son of Man, that he, Jesus, must go to Jerusalem, must endure these things, must die on the cross. And the foundation of the church is rock. Rather than fumbling and stumbling to find an answer, Simon Peter knows exactly what to say when Jesus says this, and Simon Peter says, uh, no. That will not be happening, thank you very much. And by the way, he's not responding in a way that's not unfair. This is what you're supposed to do when your friend says he's about to suffer and die, right? Right? But Jesus knows that this is what must be. And Jesus knows that he cannot let Simon Peter tempt him to avoid what must come to pass. And so Jesus calls Simon Peter a different kind of rock. A stumbling block. All of this opens up space for you and I to ask this question. And that's this, what kind of rock are you going to be? We watched Peter be both. Do you hope to be a rock like Simon Peter? A bedrock, a living stone, a building block of the movement through which God is going to heal and transform the world? Or are you going to be a rock like Peter, a stumbling block, a hindrance to the building of God's kingdom on earth. What it comes down to is this. Are you willing to be a foundational stone upon whom the church, the people of God, is built? Or will you just sit in an awkward silence waiting to see what to do next? And the answer is yes. Both. And while that is true, we can still strive to lay aside our vision and our will so that God's will can be done. We can still strive to be bedrock, living stone, rather than a stumbling block in the way. Would you pray with me? living and reigning Christ we give you thanks for who you are and who you've made us to be with everything that that comes with we thank you for those moments in which we get it right and we can stand in faith with a confidence that comes from you and we give you thanks for those moments when we get it wrong and you correct us And we grow because we know you are with us in all things, both as we are bedrock and stumbling block. You work because of us and you work in spite of us. And we just give you thanks for the opportunity to be a part of it in the first place. Help us to cling to you in faith and always know what to do next. In your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon from the Canton United Methodist Church. Join us in person or online at 10 o'clock every Sunday morning for worship. And now go in peace and serve the Lord. I want to encourage you after the message to head over to our YouTube channel and click the subscribe button. Over on YouTube, you will find videos of our entire worship service a video cast of our weekly cut-for-time conversation with Pastor Clay and Eric, songs from our praise band One Way Up, and a bunch of other great things as well. Just search for Canton United Methodist Church. It would mean a lot to have you subscribe.